Hello, this is Jill Shaw, and you're listening to our new series, Catalyst During the COVID-19 Crisis, brought to you by the Shaw Family Foundation. Today, we talk with one of Boston's key healthcare leaders, Manny Lopes, President and CEO of East Boston Neighborhood Health Center. Good morning, Manny. Good morning, Jill. Thank you so much for taking your time out of what I'm sure is a very busy day these days. Oh, happy to be here. Thank you for the invitation. So you run East Boston Neighborhood Health Center, which services primarily underserved patients in what is currently a significant COVID-19 hotspot in Massachusetts. Can you talk a little bit about the people that you serve and how that service has changed in the last 90 days? Sure. So at East Boston Neighborhood Health Center, uh, we serve a large service area that is made up of East Boston, Chelsea, Revere, Winthrop and Everett. And as we've learned over the past few days, um, East Boston, Chelsea, and now Revere are considered um, three of the communities most impacted um, by COVID-19. Right. And do you, do we know, there's also a strong undocumented population there. How many of those folks are you touching directly, do you think? And I know there's been a, a lot of testing happening, at least in Chelsea and, and maybe beyond that at this point. Um, how, how are you working with the community? Yeah, that's correct. We serve a large uh, immigrant community uh, that's made up mostly of Spanish-speaking mm-hmm. um, um, patients, but we also have um, our patients or our service area um, has people from, quite frankly, all across the world. Mm. Um we have been doing uh, extensive testing at this point. We've opened up five testing location um, locations okay. uh, to to help uh, serve our patients and what meet meet them where it's best suited. So we have pediatric and adult influenza-like clinics where testing occurs. Mm-hmm. We have a drive-through. Um, um, testing site at Suffolk Downs. We have a walkthrough because many of our patients don't drive um, located in East Boston. And then there's also testing that happens at our 24 hours, uh, 24 seven emergency department that's open 365 days a year. And you're running a food bank in East Boston as well. Is that right? Or food pantry? Yeah, correct. So through uh, partnerships that we have uh, with the Red Cross, uh, Greater um, Greater Boston Food Bank, um, and other partners, uh, Project Bread, um, our resource center, which uh, has been distributing food uh, to the community. And I heard last week alone that they um, distributed over 500 bags of groceries. And that, where, where is that located? That's located in the former East Boston Library, um, which is located on Meridian Street, but they're also doing um, home deliveries. Okay. And are you orchestrating that or is someone else managing that? Um, No, the East Boston Neighborhood Health Center is orchestrating and managing that process. And so, and are you, um, how are you seeing the trends in that area? Are are they still growing right now? Yeah, I think... um, like we like we're seeing in many uh, communities that are similar to East Boston and Chelsea in particular that are densely populated, uh, large immigrant communities. Um, it seems like the more testing we do, the more um, cases 
positive cases we find. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really um, one of the most important tools in our toolbox right now is um, testing as many people as possible, finding those that are um, positive, and then hopefully providing education and instructions, particularly around self-isolation uh, or quarantine, which can be challenging for some of these families because um, they're, they're living in uh, crowded situations. Or they're living in crowded quarters, at quarters, and they rely on you know being able to get get out in order to get food, and so resources really need to be there to deliver to the door. Also, when we're asking folks to quarantine, correct. And we also know that these are our essential workers. So right. um, many of them are working at the grocery stores, um, healthcare facilities like ours, um, and. Um, you know, so these are people who uh, sometimes don't have the flexibility that you and I may have of working from home and telecommuting. Right, that's right. You are also, Manny, you've been appointed to the to Mayor Walsh's COVID-19 Health Inequities Task Force. Can you talk a little bit about what, what the key topics are being discussed there and, and some takeaways that we should know about um, Boston and, and the surrounding towns? Yeah, happy to do that. And um, so thankful and grateful that um, Mayor Walsh uh, recognized that this was going to be an issue, um, you know, as we tested more individuals and find out that the disparities that exist in many other diseases um, will exist um, with this virus. Yeah. Um, so we, it's a multifaceted approach. We're looking, of course, at the health and the healthcare gaps that that currently exist and again are magnified by the this uh, pandemic, but we're also looking at the economic impact uh, that this has on small businesses, um, particularly those that are owned by um, our community, um, our communities, um, and communities of color, mm -hmm. um, and trying to make sure that um, we provide resources, education, and directions, everything from uh, you know the recent. Um, small business loans that are available and making sure people are taking advantage of those programs. Right. Um, and as we know, that program ran out of money and this now in, um, they've replenished uh, the program right. and making sure people know how to get access to those services. But then um, there could be other resources that um, individuals may have when they're running a small business. So um, health and the overall health and health care and then um, economic health is one of the two key areas that we're focusing on. Yeah, and how, how is, in terms of the small business loans and um, folks being able to apply for those, those require, it seems like, for the most part, that you have banking relationships in order to get in the queue and be considered. Are, are you finding that uh, the folks that you're working with do have the right relationships and are able to submit proposals? No, I think they're, they're clearly struggling. Um, yeah, some imagine. of them, some of them have struggled. Uh, again, when you think of particularly those, if English is not your first language, just right. have an understanding of a program like this and how it works, and then trying to get through. Uh, what what we had learned was a backlog for some of our um, uh, banks, and and they had prioritized uh, working with only those customers that they had existing relationships with, um, and we learned very quickly that that became a problem. Um, in these communities. Um, yeah. So we're, ho we're hoping that this next round of funding that we're 
better prepared and we're going to be proactive about making sure people understand how this program works and making sure that the banks are opening their doors up to these communities. Yeah. So it how has this changed? Um, how's the crisis changed kind of the daily operations of East Boston Neighborhood Health Center? Well, we are still in emergency operations, um, and what that means is that gives us the ability to uh, consolidate some services, make some uh, decisions around our general or normal, what would normally be general operations. So we've mm -hmm. uh, canceled in-person routine appointments, for example. Um, you may have heard many, many healthcare providers have now jumped in both feet using telehealth. Yeah, and, I saw uh, that video. on your website. You guys are going straight into it. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's really great. Um, it's it's one way to stay connected with our patients uh, who still need us, right. uh, you, you know, outside of the, the pandemic. If folks are trying to still manage their asthma, their blood pressures, their diabetes and other um, illnesses. So this is a way for them to check in. Um, yeah. And we've seen significant um uh, progress as well as satisfaction, particularly in the behavior health area. Um, mm -hmm. So that's great. Uh, and and so that's, again, just another example of how we've had to change the way we do business, which has had um, also a financial impact to us. Um, so we're still losing a uh, considerable amount of revenue, um, which um, some of the programs have helped close that gap, but it's not it's not completely closed. It's not completely closed. And did you have the infrastructure in place for telehealth or was that something you had to invest in in order to start doing that? More I would say we had pieces of it in place, but um, not, not, we weren't prepared uh, to implement to the extent that we are in right now. So um, yeah, we had to buy everything from um, headphones to cameras, uh, computer cameras to additional laptops, um, as well as uh, technology to help support this. And so, um, do you find you can reach most of your patients that way? Yeah, I think we've been successful. We're um, at around 75% of our, uh, where, we, uh, where we were last year. We're, we're at, you know, we've done 75% uh, in telehealth visits. Uh, in the behavioral health space, it's been really successful. Um, we've actually extended out to patients who have no showed in the past and given them this option. And, um, it looks like, uh, it's definitely closed the gap in our no show rate. Wow. Uh, so that's good news there. So we're reaching people that we, uh, traditionally were not able to reach, um, with in-person visits. That's and, amazing. and then of course we're excited that the reimbursement is there as well, both publicly and privately, uh, um, our, the insurance company and uh, government programs like Medicaid and Medicare are reimbursing us uh, yeah. for these telehealth services. Which is great. So do you think that will be something – it's interesting how this crisis also has opened everyone's eyes to other ways of doing things, and we've had to you know, become ridiculously efficient yeah. <laughs> in, our, in our days. And Do you see some positive benefits um, to the health center as we move through and out of this, hopefully, knock on wood, um, in, in the way that you run business. Yeah I, think one, yeah. yeah, I think one of my staff members called it forced innovation. Yeah. And I think that's uh, absolutely true. It's, uh, it's, it's forced a lot of us to, uh, you know, write into this telehealth and in using video as a way to reach our patients. Uh, and our hope is that, you know, 
we would like to stay here. And I think as long as the reimbursement's there um, and our public and private insurers continue to reimburse us uh, for the services. And and again, our patients um, find it very convenient. Um, although there, there, there are some that are missing that uh, face-to-face and there's not there's, there's so much that you could do on video um, or on the phone, but, um, but it is a great way to do follow-up care uh, and just stay connected with our patients. So I'm hoping that doesn't change. So that's, that's great news there. Yeah. Um, and then there are some other things that we just have to, um, depending on how the recovery and how long that will take. And when that happens, um, we may have to think about how we run our business, um, in the future. Um, because, uh, you know, this has been, um, this has destabilized the organization significantly. We've had to furlough, um, 10% of our staff. Um, and there are many of us, our senior team has taken a pay cut. I've taken, um, a pay cut as well. Um, so there's, there's a lot of rebuilding, rehealing that needs to take place. Right, both for your organization and for the community that you serve. Um, it's it's really being incredibly deeply impacted. Along those lines, uh, there are many individuals who we talk to every day who ask us and follow us um, where should they help and how, how should they help. Um, how can individuals or other nonprofits support the work that you're doing? Yeah, thank you for asking that question. I think the easiest way is um, on our website. There, mm-hmm. there is the ability to uh, donate online, um, but we also have a um, development office um, that's always open to receiving calls and either from individuals, organizations, or other nonprofits that may have uh, programs and services that may help, um, whether it's uh, our organization or our patients. Um, so I'd say uh, reach out to um, Stephen Snyder in our development office. Uh, but the main, I'll give you the main phone number, which is 617-568-4570. And that's the main number to our administrative offices. And um, just ask for Stephen Snyder or myself, Manny Lopes, always happy to take the call. Uh, but sometimes I'm not available and Stephen's the right person to reach who uh, can walk you through, whether it's pediatrics to geriatric care, uh, food services, care management, testing. Um, we usually have something that aligns with an individual's interest or concern. That's perfect. Um, well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today um, and you'll continue to let us know how we can help support you also. Um, but thank you for joining us and sharing what's going on with East Boston Neighborhood Health Center. Thank you. My pleasure, Jill. Thanks again for inviting me. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Manny Lopes, President and CEO of East Boston Neighborhood Health Center. In this challenging time, we have observed individuals and organizations banding together to support each other. Superhuman acts of kindness happen every day, the effects of which are exponential. Needs that existed before the crisis have not gone away, and new needs present themselves every day. We can all be a part of the solution that positively impacts our community, and we will keep bringing you quick interviews with impactful leaders to inform and inspire you. To support the work of Manny and East Boston Neighborhood Health Center, go to www.ebnhc.org. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe, and help us spread the word by sharing it with your friends and family. Have a great day. 
and stay safe.